Today's 7B podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, the Bonner County Fairgrounds. Hello, uh, welcome back to the 7B podcast. I'm your host, Allie DeAngelis, and I will be walking you through my first 100 days as a reporter for Bonner County Daily B. So, If you've been keeping up with our podcast, uh, you might have noticed that we released part one of this segment where I detailed um, just my impressions and some of my favorites, the five out of ten of my favorite stories that I've done in the hundred days um, as a reporter for Bonner County Daily Bee, specifically finally being in North Idaho um, because When my job started, I was working remotely um, in Virginia. I actually am back in Virginia now, so it is funny how the tables have turned. Um, And I would like to take this opportunity actually to welcome the new education and city government reporter, Rachel Sun. So if you guys haven't already met her or checked out some of her stories, definitely do that. Go to Bonner County's website and... Yeah, I guess I just want to finish this part two, um, telling you guys again some of my first impressions and my favorite experiences that I've gotten to have whenever I was the reporter for Bonner County Daily Bee. Um, I just want to go ahead and start out by saying that this is truly a special community. I've had the opportunity to write in a bunch of different communities now. And this was definitely one that I did not um, choose to leave. It wasn't by choice, um, and I always felt welcomed. Um, so it was just really incredible to have this opportunity, and I hope that you guys are enjoying this as much as I am. Um, so I will go ahead and start again with reviewing. This story was super cool. Um so, Brittany Biscog and Tyler Amity Barker, um, they are high school sweethearts from Preserva La Mana, and they are both musicians, and I thought their story was super fun. It really feels like one of those stories is too good to be true, you know, um, the home hometown, falling in love, and then making it out in the big city in California, but ultimately deciding that what they truly wanted to do with their life was bring a recording studio back to Priest River. Um, I love that. I just think it's a testament to how, you know, how much of an impact your hometown can make on you, um, especially with the music that they're making and the opportunities they're trying to present for musicians that don't necessarily want to leave their hometown to produce music, especially affordable opportunities. Um, Tyler, actually, he went to attend school at the Conservatory of Recording Arts and Science, and then he later took an internship at Studio Trilogy in San Francisco. So um, he really knows his stuff as far as, like, the engineering construction side of building a quality recording studio that they actually... um, thrifted a lot of what they found um and then they ended up you know starting by hanging blankets from the ceiling and now they have these four thousand dollar soundboards and you know a couple six hundred dollar mics 
So it's just cool to hear about their journey of, you know, slowly but surely piecing together something that now they produce music for, you know, over hundreds of clients, um, specifically in the North Idaho area and parts of Washington State. Um, What I loved was I was talking to J.D. Higgins, who's also from the Bonner County area, um, and he's now a a music radio host. Um, And by music radio host, I mean he gets to interview a lot of musicians, specifically people who have tried out for The Voice or who have made it on The Voice. And Brittany Barker, she did try out for The Voice, um, and she left an impression on Higgins specifically also, too, because um, her voice is just really raw and beautiful. If you guys have the chance to check out her music, um, she did release a single um, on YouTube and Spotify called Scarred, and um, it's a little bit about just what she's dealt with in her family world and life experiences. Um, So, yeah, it was really cool, though. My favorite part of getting to talk to Brittany and Tyler was finding out that Brittany actually was originally an introvert, um, and she was pushed by her friends to start singing at the National Anthem for basketball and football games. And from there... um, she just slowly but surely started to work on her craft. And um, Tyler was actually known for playing his guitar in the middle of the hallways. And they eventually crossed paths and they, um, you know, started working together for Battle of the Bands and things, competing and then falling in love. So uh, I just really, really enjoyed that interview. Um, thank you, Tyler and Brittany, for taking the time out of your day to talk to me. And I was honored to be able to tell your story. And I hope that you guys are still thriving with the music career and your recording studio. Um, my next story on the list is about Panhandle Special Needs or PISNY. Um, I thought this was another cool story that fell into my lap. Um, I had the opportunity to talk to the executive director, Trinity Nicholson, um, and she filled me in on things that I would have never considered in the middle of a pandemic of how really important it is to have these different kind of first responders. Um, She says it best by saying, I think had we not been there to hold that wave back in other agencies around the state, I think the emergency room and doctor's offices would have been flooded with clients who were scared. We are a unique first responder, but we don't really get the respect of that or the support. But we are in the trenches and have been the whole time. So Nicholson was telling me that um, Pisney actually reported staff taking over 500 temperature reads, delivering 240 meals from their facility and bag lunches from the soup kitchen, 300 home visits, um, 8,000 phone calls, work take-home packets, the whole shebang. Um, And this was just in that first 10 weeks. So I can only imagine the amount of good that they've done since then. But... um, I really thought that it was interesting. The special needs community is a community that undoubtedly gets 
left in the wayside, like other minorities, sometimes it's just really easy for them to fall into the cracks. And this story emphasized that and also emphasized that this is a community who is starting to have a firm foothold on understanding when that can happen and what to do about it. And specifically, um, just learning from Trinity that there are six special needs facilities in Bonner and Boundary County that have come and gone in the last six years. So she said that that's just a lot of pressure to put on one agency to serve for everybody. And she predicts reaching maximum occupancy in the next five years, more than doubling their clientele in the last four. Um, And especially with telehealth services right now, you know, they've been doing a lot of home visits, um, frequently checking on their clients to make sure that they're not scared and confused because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, And it's been really hard for the telehealth services because with insurance, they're not even able to bill 50% of what they're actually working for. So the financial need is really high for this community um, and also just understanding the occupancy that has been happening and a lot of pressure on this agency, but somehow showing that, you know, they're still thriving under that pressure um, and that they're finding ways to take care of this community that really made me happy um one to learn something new something that I think should be in the news and talked about a lot more than what we're doing and also to know that you know my community was paying attention to the people who really need to be you know listened to um especially whenever their voices aren't readily available in the public so Thank you, Trinity, um, for talking to me, um, shedding some light and bringing awareness to an issue that I think is just not talked about enough. Um, and I'm really proud of the work that was being done at Pisney. And now a word from our sponsor, the Bonner County Fairgrounds. The Bonner County Fairgrounds Halloween event starts at 5.30 p.m. on Friday, October 30th. Be sure to bring your family and friends. There will be games, candy, popcorn, cotton candy, and even kids' Halloween movies. Of course, there is a spooky house and costume contest for kids and adults with prizes. The event is family-friendly, safe, and open to all ages. Come join us for some spooky fun. Also, be sure to check out our website for more upcoming events throughout the year at the Bonner County Fairgrounds. My next story that I want to talk about might be surprising um, that I'm going to bring up as one of my last five top stories out of the 10 um, because it's so controversial, but um, this was really special to me. So Sandpoint City Council's meeting on June 17th was my first in-person city council meeting, and This was around the time whenever um, the death of Minnesota man George Floyd, um, whenever he died on May 25th, it was starting to spark a lot of conversation on racism beyond what our nation was really prepared for. Um, 
to see, you know, what's happening now with the riots and with the protests and with new policies being put into place, um, discussion of police brutality. There are so many messages that have stemmed from this death. And of course, not just this death, but um, it certainly was, uh, you know, something that ignited the fire um, of a conversation that was already there and it was slowly happening. But what I loved about this council meeting was not taking any personal messages to heart, um, but specifically appreciating the participation. And it just showed a very healthy interest in local politics, which is not something you get to see all of the time. Um, I actually, so this was a place where it was jam-packed. The seating issues, there was already um, social distancing protocol put in place. So the chamber was over flooded and people were holding signs and everybody was backed out of city hall, out the door into the parking lot. And, um, all 32 of those seats were taken and over 20 residents spoke, particularly referencing things like the removal of chalk graffiti from the underpass at Sandpoint city beach. Um, there was also Sandpoint based, uh, Love Lives Here campaign that was starting, the Black Lives Matter movement, the Blue Lives Matter movement, the assessment of Sandpoint police officers, capabilities and protocol, um, the presence of guns, a protest. There was so much. Um, and then, of course, Mayor Shelby Ragsnad's proclamation um, that specifically stated the message of hate has no place in Sandpoint. So that was all on June 17th. And that was also my first introduction to city council in Bonner County, um, specifically in Sandpoint. And it was, it was truly a whirlwind. It was, um, the front of the public forum was 20 minutes long, and then it was broken up by the consent agenda. And then they returned for another, um, I think it was over three hours for that town council meeting. And each resident had three-minute comments um, led by, you know, residents who had various opinions. Um, But again, I just really want to emphasize that all of those messages aside, whether you agreed with what those residents were saying or not, it it was a lot to take in. It was certainly intense. It was also surprising to hear that that was one of the first, um, so well attended meetings, Um, but I was deeply impressed by the advocacy that was taking place um, in this community, and I was just, you know, super excited to continue to hear the residents speak up for what they really want um, and to not be scared to talk about important issues, um, even at a time where sometimes we're not really sure if we have a place in talking about these things, um, and it's hard to find your voice, but I was really happy to hear a lot of different voices represented in that chamber. So thank you to all of the residents who attended that meeting and made it known that the community is one that is going to speak up um, 
and let their voices be heard. And I just was so eager to hear each and every voice and to understand what um, makes this community, you know, and what kind of people make this community, what beliefs. Um, So thank you. And oh my goodness. Oh, this is a really fun one. Um, Okay, I'm going to try something a little bit different for this one. (laughs) I don't even want to um, tell you what it's about first. I'm just going to read my first two sentences that I wrote on this. And then you guys can guess. You probably won't um, guess what this is about. Um, So I said, at first glance, it was a traditional 4th of July celebration. The strong smell of fresh hot dogs and fireworks, smoke, world around a crowd of revelers in veterans memorial park but underneath the red white and blue haze there existed a more relatable story one man's pursuit for the american dream all right guys i don't know if you could guess this story is about the turtle racing contest and the infamous v8 You guys, I had a blast covering this story. It was an impromptu story idea. Um, I actually was joking around in the newsroom and looking for something to do on the weekend. It was my first holiday away from home um, in the community, and I knew it was going to be strange with COVID-19. I wasn't quite sure what kind of protocol was going to be put into place, but I had heard that there was going to be, you know, the 4th of July parade. And then I heard about the Priest River turtle racing tradition, and that piqued my interest. Um, Our sports editor, uh, Dylan Green, I went with him um, and found out that this was something that's been a longstanding tradition. And I just was like, how fun would this be to interview all of these kids who are competing, talk to them about their turtles, what makes their turtle the best competitor, um... And little did I know that there was going to be one incredibly fast turtle who took, I think, nine out of the 13 competitions, took nine titles. So that was insane. Um, Number two, this turtle was actually found on the side of the road moments leading up to the competition by Jay Graham, who was... um, middle-aged man who I actually quoted he said am I too old for this is it like playing dodgeball with little kids am I going to feel weird um so he ended up eliciting uh kids to you know be entered in each competition with his turtle and they would all take turns winning it was really cute um I enjoyed learning about Lucky um who was actually a turtle who had been domesticated but um, survived a car accident. Uh, I learned about Tom, who was named after that cartoon cat Tom, Rexy, um, and V8. And V8 was named after the car engine, um, and he was found on the side of the road as well. So um, interviewing these kids, uh, there was just... Such fierce competition for the $1 grand prize. Uh, I'd never seen anything like it, and this will forever be one of my favorite patriotic traditions. Uh, I at least deem it very patriotic now. Um, 
And so thank you to everybody who let me interview them, touch their turtles, learn all about their corks. Um, and yeah, this was an incredibly fun day for me. So just another memory that I'll always have near and dear to my heart. And last but not least, um, so my 10th and final story that I will be reviewing and reflecting on for my 100 days um, and 100 stories as the education and city government reporter for Bonner County Daily B. Can I get a drum roll? <laughs> That's not really a drum roll, but I only have one hand for free. Um, but it is actually going to be comedy for a cause. The story that I wrote on Richard Benervini, um, and it was so fun to go to the comedy for a cause this year that was put on by Patricia Walker. Um, she has a really important role um, in the last few months of taking care of what she likes to call the heartbeat of the the Bonner County community. Um, she said, being the caretaker of that heartbeat, which I take very seriously, is hard when it's struggling. So a little bit about the history of the Panada Theater, um, which is where the Comedy for a Cause event took place. Um, it was built as a vaudeville and movie house by fc Westcole in 1927 so it's been around for a very long time in the community um serving the north idaho community for many generations through recessions wars and everything in between the marquee light has always symbolized hope and resilience and walker said people would come to the theater as a relief our challenge has been to regenerate that feeling as much as possible so, um, Minervini actually flew from Florida to perform for an audience. He had no idea how many people were going to be there. He invited his uh, L.A. comedian friend, Christy McHugh, to accompany him. And they both just lit up the stage. I was, I had such a fun time. Um, in a 750-seat room, there were 661 people there. And Minervini said... Um, that I guess a lot of people were giving him a hard time saying, why would you go to a place that doesn't have that vibrant audience? And he responded by saying, well, you are not working for the people that didn't show up. You work for the 61 people who were there and they were really happy to be there. And both um, Minervini and McHugh the whole night were just so happy to be performing again. Um, they just said, you know, they were really hungry for a laugh um, to be able to provide some kind of relief in such a serious time right now. You know, we're all dealing with uh, a, a pandemic, you know, of just never ending uncertainty. And for us to look around and see people smiling in a room, whether or not, you know, you have to wear masks and socially distant and um, worry about if the virus is going to somehow, you know, come through your mask and particles and such. It was really great to see that laughs can still be had in such a deep, um, you know, sad 
depressing time for a lot of people, especially a time where financially there's been a huge struggle for entertainment industries. Um, and the movie theaters are one of those industries. And um, so this was really fun, not just to talk to McHugh and Minervini, um, but I got to hear their stories of why they became a comedian to begin with. And this was an, an impromptu, uh, completely spontaneous interview where uh, in the middle of the night after the show, I got to talk to them and we were up for like two and a half hours and they just filled me in on story after story about what really makes a good comedian. Um, and I could see on stage and also off stage, how passionate they were about their job. Um, and that was, that made for such an easy interview. Um, I was honored to be able to speak to them and to learn more about the comedian community um, and just how much they are willing to give. Uh, they were not sure if they were even going to be paid for this event and for them to go out of their way to fly to try to help. Um, you know, Sandpoint, the North Idaho community is really special because both of them have definitely made their mark in um, comedy. And to see that they can put aside, you know, a paycheck in order to help an audience um, just feel more normal again is really powerful. Um, and of course, this was the biggest thing about this was that it was a fundraiser. So it was trying to help the Panada Theater in any way that they could. And it certainly gave hope for the theater to stay alive while many others have been going bankrupt. So Thank you so much, um, Richie and Christy, for spending that really fun night with me. Um, I know that you guys probably had a lot of other things you could have been doing for that two hours. Um, and, you know, again, another two hours for the show for us 61 people in the audience. But I can tell you, at least from my perspective, it was one of the best laughs that I've had in a while. And I was honored to be in that audience. So thank you so much. Um, and that is it for me. Uh, I have finished wrapping up all 10 of my top 10 stories. I hope you enjoyed this segment. If you missed the first review of stories, feel free to check out part one of 100 Days 100 Stories where I mentioned another, another five of my favorite stories from the BC community. We have been making a blast making these podcasts for you. So let us know what you think of the content on our Facebook page. Thank you for listening to 7B's podcast. I'm your host, Allie DeAngelis. And as always, have a super awesome day. We want to say thank you to our sponsor for today's 7B podcast, the Bonner County Fairgrounds.